Phil Barker is the lead songwriter and mandolin player for the bluegrass band Town Mountain. The band formed out of the top bluegrass jammers in the legendary music scene of Asheville, North Carolina. Town Mountain combines a raw soulfulness with plenty of swagger to create a completely unique contemporary modern sound rooted in bluegrass traditions. Their music has garnered over 6 million Spotify streams and led to steady bills on the top tour festivals. Their rocking honky-tonk live performances bring out their unique combination of bluegrass mixed with country, old-school rock and roll, and boogie-woogie flavorings. And that has attracted a strong following. Welcome to Backstory Song. I'm your host, Doug Burke, and today we have the pleasure of being with Phil Barker, the lead songwriter and mandolin player with the band Town Mountain. Phil, you guys are out of Asheville, North Carolina. Tell us how you guys got together and formed your band. Sure, Doug. Thanks for having me, first of all. And yeah, so we all kind of met here in Asheville. You know, Asheville's become like a a hotbed for acoustic music, bluegrass, and, and old time. And we all moved here in the early 2000s, 2004, 2005. You know, there's a lot of clubs around town that have jams and, and whatnot. And we all kind of met in that circle, just became friends, first of all, and enjoyed playing the same kind of music, the same kind of bluegrass. And yeah, I joined with the band. Robert and Jesse had already established the band. And I kind of, when their mandolin player left, I kind of stepped in around 2007. So you guys have six albums out, Heroes and Heretics, Steady Operator, Leaving the Bottle, Southern Crescent, New Freedom Blues. And we're going to talk today about some new singles you've been cutting during the quarantine, which I guess your longtime fans may not have heard yet, but 
the first song we want to talk to is one of your uh, most played Spotify songs. Um, so your fans clearly like it. The algorithm thinks it's a good song and it's called Law Dog. That's right. That's right. That's definitely become one of our most requested songs anywhere we go. We have to play it every night. People really respond to it. And it's, you know, it's kind of a, you know, it's not that complicated of a song, you know, it addresses a pretty simple, uh, relatable subject, which is getting pulled over for a speeding ticket. I guess the impetus for the song came while we were on tour. And one of the few traffic stops that we've had over the years is kind of just trying to capture that feeling of what it is to see a policeman on the side of the road. And it's not necessarily whether you're doing anything wrong or not. It's just the feeling it gives you. I kind of tied that in with a term law dog that I'd heard unknown Henson who's a really great guitar player and uh, singer who has a few songs that mention the law dog. And I always thought that was a cool term. And, you know, it just kind of came up when I was having one of my writing sessions and drew on that feeling and put in a little bit of a, some bluegrass acrobatics into it, which has kind of become the calling card of that tune now. Do you remember where you were pulled over? Cause I had, I have been pulled over in North Carolina um, <laughs> with my brother-in-law speeding and it does feel like North Carolina has a lot of speed traps. You know, you have those country roads where it goes from 65 to 30 or 25 for through the town. And Oh yeah. Is that where this was <laughs> when you, when you got pulled over? I remember it. It was actually in Washington state. We were on our way to a, a buddy's house outside of Seattle and, you know, we got pulled over and, and out in Washington, I would say they're a little bit more lenient when it comes to certain things that you might or might not do on tour. And they let us go with some warnings, but it was a really bad feeling when we got the initial pullover. And yeah, it's just, it's not like back East. It's a whole nother level of uh, anxiety when you're driving around back East, especially up at highway I-81 or 85, you know, those cops are out to get you for sure. And I think that's why people relate to the song. So should I read a double entendre into the line? Seems every time I'm riding high, you're there to bring me down. Is that what was going on in, in the van, in the, in, in the, the band's van? Who's to say? Because it is legal in that state, right? Exactly. It is. So there may or may not have been something along those lines. I'll leave that up to the listener's discretion. But thanks for noticing. But do you think that's why your fans like this song so much? No, I really don't think... I think that line might blow by a lot of people. You might be the first person that's actually caught that. But most of them catch on to the, and you know, it's kind of a bluegrass tradition, the vocal acrobatics. I do this little falsetto thing. It's kind of the hook of the song. And it's just like people latch on to that initially and they that catches them. And then they want to, it's got a good rhythm to it. So they latch on to that. They're like, oh, this is about getting pulled over. That happens to me all the time or whatever. So they can latch onto the message of it, you know, and that's a trend with a lot of bluegrass, Bill Monroe's Mule Skinner Blues or Osborne Brothers Ruby, that big vocal falsetto thing, you know, that's becomes a big hit for people. And it can be tough to sing sometimes, but I'm, I'm honored to have people request it. That's definitely feels good. Yeah. Well, you do start with that falsetto acapella, right? On the song? Yeah. That kind of sets it apart and people kind of take notice of that. And it's definitely memorable if nothing else. If you think of bluegrass and sort of the hillbilly roots of it, there's a long history of the screw the man of moonshine whiskey making type of songs, right? Absolutely. There are not a lot of songs saying I love the police. 
<laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, just trying to encapsulate the spirit of that. You know, it's like Jimmy Martin had a lot of that spirit to what he did, and he's a huge influence on me. And it's a fierce, like, don't tread on me mentality, or, you know, I'm fierce independence. And it's just kind of this, like, swagger that comes across in the music and the swing and the drive of the music. So people can latch onto that for whatever reason. So one of the things I like about your band is that you guys are taking this classical form with the fiddle, the mandolin, the banjo, and bluegrass stylings, but you're infusing it with both modern lyrics, like there was never a Carter family speeding ticket, I don't think. I don't know, maybe there was in the 1930s. Right. You write about modern things, and then you infuse your songs with other modern rock and other stylings and make it really contemporary. And uh, I like that about it. But like here, modern theme of speeding and everybody loves to speed. And Yeah, sure. That's, that's definitely been our goal. You know, even in the genesis of bluegrass, it was just a collection of other influences. And so we're kind of just moving forward with that, using the influences that maybe we grew up on more of rock radio and folk music and country music and kind of trying to blend it all together into a sound that, something that we want to listen to. And, you know, that's a blend of things. And so while we do use the traditional bluegrass instruments as our vehicle, we try to take it to somewhere else. So another one of your highway songs is Wild Bird, the wild bird on the highway. It's really not a driving song, but well, <laughs> it sort of is. Yeah, it is. It is definitely in the vein. You'll find that it's a common theme with my, with my songwriting. You know, that's kind of what we do. I know it gets old. People say don't write about another road song, but that's the reality of being a touring musician is a lot of time doing that. And you kind of write about what you know. And, and Wild Bird, I actually thought about the chorus when I was driving. You know, it's just you get drawn into the mundane things of an everyday highway drive and you notice a lot of birds. <laughs> the birds will be circling above and you just kind of wonder what they're doing, you know, running in circles, not really getting anywhere. And that kind of is used as an analogy for what we're doing sometimes in the band. You know, we cover a lot of ground, but maybe not in a lot of senses of the word. So, you know, Wild Bird was just trying to relate the feeling of trying to be a touring musician and the struggles that go along with that. But it really is a song about a girl. It definitely has a verse about a girl. You know, that's kind of the ongoing theme of being away from someone you care about or, or just like dealing with trouble, you know, relationships on the road can be tricky for people. And so there's a verse about that. And then the last verse is talking about getting on stage and putting on the good show every night can be tough to do sometimes when you're not feeling it. And maybe a shot of whiskey will help you get there. Maybe it won't, but you try to do the best you can to put on a good show and a good face for people. So do you think of it in those terms of the lyrics, puts the devil on my tongue, which I love. You know, you take a shot of whiskey, the burn of the whiskey from the well never seems to let me down, puts the devil on my tongue, puts a face on for the crowd. Yeah. What's the devil on your tongue? Well, the devil on your tongue is when you might end up saying something you don't necessarily mean or, or might not otherwise say. It can have repercussions when you have a one too many whiskey shots, but you know, that's just kind of like riding, trying to ride that line of getting into a good mood. And then maybe once it goes too far, it can have negative out <laughs> consequences to it. 
And then the face on for the crowd is, you know, trying to put on a, maybe that shot of whiskey puts you in a jolly mood that comes across on stage of just what people want to see, which most of the time you're there anyway, you're playing music for a living, but there are nights when you're struggling to get through it and you kind of put on a face. Yeah, I know. I can imagine it's a, it's not as glamorous day in, day out as a lot of people might think, I imagine, especially if you were chasing a gambling girl. <laughs> well, I was, that was kind of leading into the next line was Ace was all she'd ever thrown. It's kind of a girl that's never always been the one breaking up with people, never had her heart broken. She's always been on the good luck side of things. So the, the gambling girl was just leading into that second line. Just a girl who always had her way? Or yeah. You always had aces and... She always had aces, yeah. Never got deuces. <laughs> yeah. Every song that I have, or a lot of the songs I have, will you know, reference some sort of lost love or you know, talk about a girl in there, which is kind of just a reoccurring theme of songwriting in general. But it's a writer about relationships. And while I'm happily married at the moment, it's I had my heart broken... And that's one, kind of when I started writing songs to begin with, you know, it was when I had my heart broken for the first time, really. And it's kind of this sadness or this feeling that you can kind of tap into and you draw from it and you can relate to it and you try to express what, how it makes you feel. And that there'll be one of those in a, in a lot of my songs. I, I'll still kind of reference that feeling because it kind of stays with you. Yeah, this girl seems like trouble to me because she's got a soft smile and a cold heart, and that doesn't seem like a good combo. No, not at all. <laughs> Make you drink whiskey and put the devils on your tongue, I guess. Yeah. Mountainside. I really like this song because it really captures what's going on in a big part of America in a lot of ways when I listen to it. But why don't you tell me what is this about? Well, this is a song kind of about the overdevelopment of the mountains, especially here in Western North Carolina, Asheville specifically. I had a buddy of mine, real good friend, who bought this piece of property outside of Asheville, maybe about 30 40 minutes outside of town. And man, it was like on the top of a mountain 
you had to drive a dirt gravel road at like a 60 degree angle to get up there and four wheel drive only. And like out in the cut, way out in the cut, he was doing this on purpose. He wanted to get off the grid and he found this great spot, 10 acres on top of this mountain. And sure enough, like two years later, there's a development company in the Southeast called the cliffs. And they bought the backside of his mountain started to turn into a golf course so here, here was my buddy all the way outside of town, like, you know, as far as you can get. And then he's still waking up to the backing up of industrial construction equipment. And literally right on the other side of the mountain from him, it's just like this huge development going up. And it's just like, there's no stop to where people will go for a dollar and what they'll do. And, and around here, you notice that people will throw up condo developments just right up the side of the mountain. So that's that's what you're looking at now when you see Reynolds Mountain in Asheville. It's it's a bunch of condos and second homes for people that aren't usually there. And I don't know, that just driving around town, that kind of caught me. You know, these are mountains that you want to have a view of and you want other people to come to Asheville and have a view of, but now they're just these developments everywhere. And it's just trying to speak to the, you know, maybe there's a more conscious way to develop mountains and I'm not trying to keep anybody from making a dollar by any stretch, but I just feel like it could be done a little more environmentally conscious and and just kind of socially conscious around here. I really love the verse where you put yourself into the working man's shoes and the oxymoron of being a construction worker, helping that movement happen in order to make a living in this town and yet not really being psyched about it. Yeah, and that was true. I was I did work construction for a time around here and was on crews working on houses that are three stories high on the inside. And it's just like, you do it because it's a job and you can't fault the people for taking the job or doing the work. That's just, that's part of reality. But you just wish there was a better way to preserve the natural resources in your area. Well, I haven't been to Asheville, but it sounds like a beautiful place. But I do like that verse. Still, I help move that dirt. Can't stand it, boys, but I need the work. I pay my debts and close my eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's just getting through the day. That last verse was a little nod to towns. The future like a bullet flies. Towns always had that saying, time flies like an arrow, fruit flies like a banana. I always kind of just try to put a little something in there that kind of relates to towns in a lot of my songs. Oh, you're talking about Towns Van Zandt? Towns Van Zandt, yeah. Okay. That was an inspiration. Yeah, absolutely. This Towns Van Zandt is a huge influence on me and my writing. And yes, that is a off-the-cuff reference to a saying that Towns used to have. I'll throw those in my songs here and there just because I'm a big fan of his work and uh, his musical spirit, if you will. Yeah, he was a great, complicated character and a half. Uh, mm-hmm. Even Stevens talks about writing with him on one of my episodes. Uh, he you know, actually met with him and drank a bottle of booze in the morning. Wow. Yeah, I will, I will definitely go listen to that. <laughs> it sounds interesting. So is there an anti-development movement going on in, in Asheville, North Carolina? Somewhat. You know, that all really slowed down after the housing market crash in 08, that golf course I was referring to froze and was never developed. The land was cleared, but the golf course never went in. But there is more so, it seems like downtown where they're trying to put up a lot of more hotels and stuff. People are 
trying to speak up about keeping the character of Asheville and keeping some of the older buildings around, but you know, it doesn't seem to be slowing the progress much. Unfortunately, the city council and mayor and whatnot are tied to economic dollars as much as they are to uh, community cultural preservation. You know, it seems like they got to feed one beast and, and try to maintain the other. So not as much as you would hope. So next song we want to talk about is Ruination Line. And this is an interesting song to me because it's a train song. And usually I think of the train of freedom, the train of the peace train, the 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 train of glory, the tra- you know, like trains taking you to a a good place. And this is like not that. <laughs> <laughs> no, not not so much. Not so much. Yeah, Ruination Line is uh it's one of our older tunes. Well, it's actually the first one I brought to the band. I wrote this one after I was uh, turned down for health insurance for the second or third time because of a pre-existing condition that I had from a, a minor heart procedure I had in high school. And I couldn't get insurance because it was the pre-existing condition thing. And I wasn't in a particularly good place in my uh musical career or, you know, am I feeling good about my health situation nor my financial situation? So this was kind of like just being frustrated with how things were going around me at the time. And, and, you know, music is an outlet and I hate to, you know, keep bringing up all these negative things for my songs. It's like, it's more of a outlet for negative thoughts like that sometimes, but maybe it's more cathartic to do it for when you're feeling down and when you're feeling high. So yeah, this one it refers to can't afford to pay in a doctor or no ambulance ride, kind of referring to my insurance situation at the time. So this was also when gas was super expensive. And so there's a part in there about the corporate prison, your freedoms for sale, 155 a barrel, which is kind of what gas was at the time. It's not that now, but you know, so it's just kind of a reference on, how I was feeling in the, in society at the time. And it wasn't in a, such a great place. And the train's going to take you to a ruination line, right? 
the train of society, if you will, is going to ruin you if it keeps going the way it's going. You know, this song and a lot of your songs, you've got this combination of fiddle, banjo, mandolin. How do you guys do that? Like sometimes you guys just all start together. It amazes me. It's like this, and this blend of these different instruments and guitars. And like, if you've seen your videos, it's really amazing to watch all these uh, pickers playing different instruments in this combination that just, like, do, do you write that? Or like, how does that come together? Well, I mean, the foundation of it was written by Bill Monroe, just putting those five instruments together in this unique form to create this driving rhythm with a syncopated banjo and the fiddle kind of rides on top of the rhythm and the guitar does a certain thing and the mandolin is the snare drum and the bass is the kick drum. You know, kind of, you learn that when you're learning the beginnings of bluegrass and when you start playing bluegrass and jams and with other people, you kind of learn how to put that together. So then it's like you take those tools and you want to build something else with them and you learn to take those same instruments and create a different rhythm that maybe is a little more rock influenced or a little more, you know, emulates a different type of rhythm that you've heard somewhere else. But you kind of still know how those instruments work together. So you can figure out how to build it in this different way, which is what we try to do. And it's a lot of time at rehearsals, you know, trying stuff that doesn't work. Maybe somebody, the banjo player, Jesse, will hear something that I don't hear, or vice versa. And like, we'll try to bring out this one lick that everybody's playing at this one time. Well, let's, why don't the fiddle and the mandolin play that, or fiddle and banjo play that at the same time. So it's just kind of like anything else. You get your training learning to play in a bluegrass band because it's an intricate dance in and of itself. And then you kind of take those tools and try to build something else. And that's kind of your, your foundation, if you will. So Phil, when and why did you start writing songs and did you start with bluegrass songs? And I guess was mandolin your first instrument? Uh, no, guitar was my first instrument. I was playing guitar coming up through high school and got a mandolin right about when I went to college and kind of started exploring through the Grateful Dead, David Grisman, and then Sam Bush, and then kind of got into older stuff, Bill Monroe from Sam Bush and Del McCurry. And then, you know, when I went and saw a bluegrass band live, the Del McCurry band, that was when I knew that I wanted to try to do that. I was just blown away by seeing the music live and just the energy it had with those five particular instruments doing their thing and, and this bigger sound that it created. And so that was kind of the first step was kind of knowing that the mandolin, being drawn to the mandolin and just the rhythmic sense of the mandolin, I was just kind of, I wanted to be a part of that. So then I was kind of also at the same time going through a particularly rough breakup and was having my heart broken and started writing songs about it because that's that's how you deal with it. And And once you've had that happen, you hear music in a whole new way and hear songs in a whole new light. And I kind of found that it was fun to start with bluegrass tunes, more maybe more traditional songs because they were a little bit easier to write. It's three verses in a chorus and particularly short verses a lot of the times. And you could kind of make it work in that bluegrass context. And then I just kept challenging myself to write more intricate lyrics or, or kind of keep pushing myself lyrically and melodically and kind of developed over time, keep trying to do something new and something different. It's kind of led me to where I am now. So it was a breakup with a girl. I guess you got dumped. Oh, yeah. 
not to make you feel bad on on the backstory <laughs> song, but you turned that into a muse that said, I got to write a song to make myself feel better. Exactly. And did that work? No, but it led for some good thoughts. <laughs> you didn't feel better after you wrote the song? Not immediately. It is a release of some things you may or may not be feeling or feel like you need to say. And so, yeah, it's good in the moment. That's your muse. That's your tool more, I would say. It's just that feeling that, you know, you never forget it. Not to say that you don't get over it, but you can tap back into it when you're trying to write a song that you want people to relate to on that level. I know every song is different, but how do you know when a song is done? I mean, a song is never really done. I could keep working on any number of these tunes, but at a certain point, it feels complete enough to where you, that it can be the statement that you're trying to make. Okay, the best way to do it is like when I can read through a song and don't cringe at any particular line, I'm, I'm fine with putting it out there because I hold myself to a pretty high standard, I feel. I feel like if it's something that I'm not cringing about or if I feel good about it, then I'm ready to to give it to the world. So is it ever really done? I don't know, but it's done enough, we'll say. <laughs> Do you test them and change them in front of audiences? You know, play it, iterate, play it, iterate, or? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I change small, maybe arrangement ideas or maybe a lyric or two, a word or two, if it's not singing very well, if it's hard to sing it, the harmonies are a challenge. Maybe we'll change the key. But, you know, for the most part, I, I would say we don't, we don't alter it too much based on our live performance. It's mostly like we'll add maybe another couple breaks if we want to extend the song for people dancing or whatnot. Tell me how the harmonies come together. I, I imagine you don't write the harmonies, or do you write the other parts? Or do they just sort of naturally happen for you guys in your songs? It comes pretty natural to us at this point. Again, jumping back to the Bluegrass is the building blocks. That's kind of a hallmark of the bluegrass sound is that it takes into account the the gospel influences of vocal quartets and trios and duets. And so there's kind of this standard that the lead is going to be here on the near the root, and then the tenor will be a third above that, and then the baritone will be the fifth, but it'll be below. And then so we kind of know that framework. But then we've kind of found that you don't want to put harmony over the whole thing. You got to pick and choose your spots about a particular note in a chorus that holds out for a certain amount of time. So you find pick and choose your spots. But yeah, again, it's just based on that the bluegrass framework that we all are so familiar with within the band. Wow. It's like instinct for you guys. It really is. It doesn't take us long to figure it out. We're in tune to what our capabilities are and to what will sound right for us. Southern boy, little too far from my home. Played every 
each night is, is the same Full of friends filled with a Can't even remember my name Out north of Cheyenne Where the road just goes on Though I've done the best I can Still I've never been so So another one of your road songs is North of Cheyenne of sorts. North of Cheyenne, the idea for this song came on a tour maybe four or five years ago. We were on tour in Colorado driving to a private function in Wyoming. And the night before we had played in uh, somewhere in Pittsburgh or maybe West Virginia, and we'd taken a red eye out to Colorado and then started driving to get to this private function. So slept on the plane, whatever you call that. So we're all a little groggy and we're traveling in two vehicles at this point. I'm in one vehicle with two guys and then there's another vehicle traveling behind us, at least so we thought. And so the first vehicle shows up to the gig and we're loading in equipment and getting things going. And I called the other guys and like, they're running a little bit late now. So I call them up and like, where, where are you guys? And it says, uh, I think we're about an hour north of Cheyenne, which is the wrong direction. <laughs> and it is lonesome in Wyoming. I don't know if you've ever driven through Wyoming, but there is nothing an hour north of Cheyenne. Yeah, I have. So needless to say, I, that hearing that phrase, like, bing, that sounds pretty lonesome. I'm going to hold on to that and put it in my mental Rolodex. The initial idea for it was from a, a wrong direction taken by my bandmates on tour a few years ago. Did you know that only 3% of all the land in Wyoming is developable? Wow. 97% is like BLM land or, or Federal Park and Yellowstone. And Wow, that's incredible. Part of what makes it so beautiful. And that 3%, man, in Jackson and Alpine, they're building and building and building up there. Yes, they are. But it is a vast expanse of not much out there when you're driving around. It gets pretty lonesome. So played every bar in town from 21st on down. Is that Denver? That is Denver. This kind of taps back into that wild bird feeling a little bit, you know, playing bars and you meet all these people that you're friends for the night and you kind of get to know them a little bit, but it can kind of feel kind of empty night after night. You'll see there's the, uh, the girl verse the next one. Was that inspired by any particular girl? It was, that's not this girl that dumped you earlier that we talked about. I don't know. Maybe it is. It's just about the feeling, you know? I like what this girl does to you. It's not. <laughs> well, we're giving her too much credit. <laughs> it's a good song material. You know, it's good stuff of songwriting. I did have to look up how you end the song, up where the Oldman bends, neath the prairie winds, and the sweet Borealis plays, when it occurred to me, am I alone or free? Well, it just ain't the same. Or The Oldman, I didn't know where the Oldman bends. Saskatchewan. We had just played a festival up in Saskatchewan, Saskatoon, and uh, we saw the Northern Lights, which is the reference there. We didn't necessarily see the Oldman, but it's up there, and, and sometimes you... You kind of do a little geographical research when you want to talk about a certain area and find maybe a cool landmark that sounds cool. And Oldman Bend sounded good to me. 
just want to describe like this guy just getting out of there. He's just driving at this point. He's just driving to get away from it all. And he's going north, headed to Canada. It's in Alberta, Canada. And I love the double entendre of an old man bending and them calling a river an old man. Thank you. Turn down the lights I'm drawn every shade I can't stand the sight Of the mess that I made with my time For I once held the world Like a pearl on a string But I gave it away I lost everything for my pride It seems that higher and higher you go The further you have then to fall So let's talk about some of your new material that's coming out. Absolutely. Well, first off, you guys are in quarantine, like all of us. You're not on the road, so you're using your time to create a new record. Is that what we have going on here? We're gathering material and putting songs together. We're trying to rehearse them as best we can, being socially distant. We got together last weekend and sat around six feet apart and ran tunes, but it's hard to get into a studio or get all that dialed in. We're working on it though. So yeah, we've got new material coming and this latest single, you can't win them all was actually one that we had recorded on tour last fall. And so we had the rough tracks together, but it was kind of incomplete. And I was envisioning this slow country. Yeah. I wish George Jones could sing this song, like kind of late night jukebox song. And I sent it to my buddy, our buddy, Joel, Savoie down in Lafayette, Louisiana, because I know that he is really in tune with classic country tones and vibes, and he knows some great players in his socially non-distant circle, if you will. So he was able to add some of the non-traditional to bluegrass instruments to it. Oh, wow. So he's on this song. He was producing it. Wow. Okay. It's a great song. So tell us what it's about. You can't win them all. Yeah, you can't win them all. That's kind of a phrase we've thrown around the van for years. You know, it's kind of like, you know, everybody has one or two losses during their life and everybody's going to run into things that don't work out for them. And it's kind of a way, a quick phrase that we've always used just to be like, don't let it get you down. You can't win them all. You know, it's something you say when things aren't going right. And, you know, it's in the notebook. It's one of those phrases that I keep around and I just kind of wrote the first verse as I was going to bed one night, just kind of like straightening up my room or or just kind of getting things together and just turning down the lights, drawing every shade. I can't stand the sight of the mess that I made. You know, the house was a wreck. And just kind of like went from there. I kind of took on to the lost love thing. You know, there goes that feeling again. And I jumped right onto it and can't win them all is something I've wanted to write about for a while. And so that kind of fell into the chorus is like, 
you can play every game, but you can't win them all. You know, you're going to have some losses. You got to learn to accept it and learn to live with it. Yeah. No one goes undefeated in life, right? That's it. That's the thing. So I found that people can definitely relate to that feeling. Another girl in this song, I saw hair of gold, pretty eyes of blue. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, when I was writing that one, it was kind of more of like, I was really trying to put myself in a George Jones song. Keep the lyrics simple and kind of like really try to get to the emotion of it. And don't worry about any kind of vocal acrobatics and don't let people get caught up too much in what you're saying lyrically. It's more about the melody and the feeling of the song. This is releasing soon for everybody. Where we're gonna? Where can we find this on on your Spotify? Uh, this has actually already released. It has released. It's been out for a couple of weeks now, and it's fully downloadable, streamable, videoable. It's everything: Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, all the places. So, yeah, go check it out. They went out these old floorboards, it seems like forever. Yes, I'm kindly acquainted with every divot and line. Trying to keep all my senses and hold it together. But I just can't own nothing with these hands full of time. Even the devil himself kicked me off his damn playground, saying, Boy, ain't you got nothing better to do? Said he's got a luncheon with Beezles. And a meeting in Congress It is much bigger fish to attend himself to So I'm drowning in the hours Dreams of the day when we all get together Raise us some cane as bells will be ringing And the old crowd sing So adios amigo to the sea next spring Done a whole lot of staring at this double alt Martin Trying to write about something ain't no one else done Maybe a heavenly stairway or a great bird of freedom It don't seem like the good stuff's already been sung But I just keep on digging, put my back right into it For to find you a diamond you gotta stay in the dirt Night's three in the morning Nothing much to show for it But a good case of bad posture And a stain on my shirt Yeah, I'm drowning in the hours The dreams of the day When we all get together Raise us some cane As bells of beer And the old crowd sings So adios, amigo Till we see you next spring Let's close by talking about another song that's coming out on your new album, which hasn't been named yet, and that's Daydream Quarantina. Yes, this song is kind of a tribute to John Prine. You know, losing Prine was pretty heavy in the just the music world in general, but as someone who plays in the Americana and kind of singer-songwriter greater genre, like he was a hero and kind of a captain of that ship and Losing him was hard to take. And like a lot of these musicians, when you lose them, there's a big there's a big show that comes like a couple of weeks when you can get together with everybody or everybody gets together and they play his songs and it's a big tribute. And I'm sure there'll be something at some point and there's been stuff online, but I was just feeling like I really wanted to play something that was that was in his spirit and something relatable to the current day situation and what I'm dealing with and what a lot of musicians are dealing with is 
all this time on our hands because we're not able to do what we're accustomed to doing. And so it's kind of just dealing with that feeling and, you know, kind of an anthem to when we can get back to doing what we love, written in the style of maybe what John Prine would do. We lost him to the COVID and uh, Charlie Daniels as well recently. A bunch of artists of that age, you know, which is the COVID virus is been attacking the elderly at a much higher rate than the rest of the population. But it's a real sad loss for us because John Prine was a great one. What a legend. I love this line. Said he's got a luncheon with Bezos and a meeting in Congress. Did he actually have that? Is it? I'm actually referencing two lines before when it's, you know, this guy talking to the devil himself. You know, the devil doesn't have time to mess with me because he's got a luncheon with Bezos and a meeting in Congress. It's kind of like, you know, playing on the idle hands or the devil's playground kind of idea with all this time on my hands. Yeah, even the devil doesn't have time for me. He's got other things to do in this day and age. Yeah, he's busy on Amazon. Although we do encourage you to buy the albums on Amazon. Heck yeah. (laughs) Wherever you can, please. We need all the help we can for our songwriters. And you also referenced the Stairway to Heaven and the Freebird here. Oh man, that's the constant, you know, for myself and I'm sure a lot of songwriters is writing. You start playing something, you're like, oh man, this sounds great. What is this? This is going to be awesome. And then like about two hours into it, you realize, oh, that's because this song's already been written and it's it's so familiar. That's why. And so this was just kind of playing on that, you know, I do a lot of staring at this Martin trying to write a song and ends up being something that's already been written. You start writing about a heavenly stairway and it's kind of playing on the, you know, that's already been written, man. And that's just kind of me dealing with the struggle of continuing to try to write something new. It only gets harder in my mind. <laughs> Seems like it only gets harder to keep pushing yourself to new places or thinking of new things to say. You ever have your fans yelling for you to play Freebird in a cliche? <laughs> Oh, yeah. You always get one or two of those guys or gals at a show. They're like, think it's the funniest thing ever that no one's ever done. But yeah, we just laughed that one off. So I ask every songwriter on the show if they have an ideal quote unquote voice and song that you've written that you would love to see a, you know, any voice in the world record one of your songs. Do you have something in mind? And, you know, it's fair if you don't. We're we talking current or living or dead or anyone? Preferably current, because I'd like to get the current artist to think about doing it from the show virally. I mean, my go-to would be George Jones or Keith Whitley singing Can't Win Them All. That would have been the best. Like, those guys were tapped into something completely different. George Jones is the pinnacle of country music singing, and he could sing the phone book and turn it into a number one country hit, but Yeah, that would be one that would jump out at me is having one of the country music icons like that sing that song because I feel it has such a classic sound and such a classic emotion that they could really take it to another level. Not that Robert didn't do a great job. You know, both of those guys have passed. Uh, If there was a contemporary voice to sing one of your songs or you can't win them all, would you pick a a voice? And it's fair if it can only be done by Town Mountain because it's a Town Mountain song. That's that's fine too. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I would say, you know, gosh, that's tough. I, I, I hadn't thought about, you know, 
the current country music class isn't quite in my mind on the same level as George Jones and Keith Whitley were. It's kind of morphed into something else these days, but I would say maybe, God, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to. It could be Bruce Springsteen, my buddy from Yarn, who lives in your North Carolina neck of the woods. Blake, he wanted Bruce to cover one of his songs. I was like, wow, that's cool. I'd like, or he said Tom Waits. I was like, wow, that's not the, the cleanest voice on radio. <laughs> no, I, I'll say, you know, if I was thinking outside of the country music genre, I really love Oliver Wood from the Wood Brothers. He could sing any of my songs and that would that would be a real treat. Like he is such a soulful dude and such a great singer. Well, Phil Barker, this has been a true pleasure. Uh, Phil Barker from the band Town Mountain. And uh, we can't wait to get beyond this coronavirus and see you guys on tour again. Uh, good luck with the new album. Good luck with the new singles. Is there anything you want to um, thank, promote, or talk about? Sure, yeah. Just keep in touch with us on social media, Facebook and Instagram, where you can find us at Town Mountain and townmountain.net. Can't wait to see everybody out there. Thank you again. And thank you, DJ Wyatt Schmidt. You're the best. We could not do this without you. You can find uh, his YouTube channel out there 24-7 streaming. And thank you to our Backstory Song listeners.